story when I freaked out when I went to Ikea. Well, uh, a couple of years ago we were coming back from uh, a holiday. Lovely, relaxed, camper trailer on the back of the car. I think it was somewhere up near the Sunshine Coast as we're coming down through the Ipswich turn-off area and then suddenly in view was this big new Ikea. Opened up just recently and my wife said to me, how about we go in there? I thought, oh no, I've just been on holidays and now I'm going to go into Ikea. I thought, can I turn off? She said, no, let's go in. So I went into Ikea and we drove in and we walked into that building. It's huge, it's massive. And as I was walking around, as you know, I don't know whether you know Ikea, you've got to go to every little thing, you've got to follow the path going to go exactly where it was. You can see every little display that's there. About halfway through, I just freaked out. It was just like, this is not possible. This is crazy. How do I get out of this place? Where's the direct route from the start to the finish and get out? We had to make your way all the way around them. When you get to the end of it, it gets worse. But suddenly, there's all these boxes to the hill, to the height. And you've got to make your way through the boxes. And just like busted out the other side and went, oh, to get out of there. I think I need another two weeks holiday. It's a good story, isn't it? That's about all. I was not just telling you because it's a good story. It's fun, isn't it? You like to hear stories. Stories grab us. They think about it. You think, oh, yeah, I can relate to that. I know that. I've felt that before. Well, Jesus loved to tell stories as well because Jesus loved to tell stories because they grab us. They get our attention. They, they somehow take us to the place. They put us in the moment. And Jesus loved to tell stories to people where they were. Uh, he looked at the crowd that was around him, he looked at the people that was around him and he told stories that went straight to their hearts. He told stories that hit their culture, he told stories that they could relate to and he told stories that taught them about his kingdom. He told stories that taught about how his kingdom would grow, how his kingdom would come and how his kingdom is all about Jesus. Over the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at the stories that Jesus told. Maybe parables, you've heard them told as that before. And we're looking at the stories that Jesus told about his kingdom, about what it's about. And we're going to get a bit of a glimpse into that. Uh, it's a great time if you want to bring people along who may not have been to church before. Uh, some of you think might be interested because Jesus' stories speak into people's lives at different places. Uh, and they do it in an amazing way. And in one sense, they're simple, but in another sense, they are so deep that they can really grab people. So if you want to invite someone along, bring them along for obviously not this week, it's too late unless you want to text them and get them here now. Uh, for next week, uh, get them along. If you want to get them to growth groups, our growth groups are going to be looking at the Jesus stories as well. Great opportunity to bring someone along. Uh, they're going to be fairly simple studies. We're going to be looking at the stories and thinking through those stories. If you've never been to a growth group, this might be a good chance to come along to one. So if you'd like to do one of those things, have a chat to me later. I'd love to... Uh, tag you into a, a growth group that may be near you. Uh, but we're going to listen to one today. Uh, as those stories over the next couple of weeks have been doing storing with Nicole uh, and I'm going to tell you some stories uh, in the coming weeks but today we're going to listen to someone else tell us the story. Uh, we, in the past we've uh, listened to this guy, I can't remember his exact name, his name's Max and he has learnt the whole of Mark off by heart and he tells it as a story. Uh, this morning we're going to watch uh, Mark chapter 4. So if you've got your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 4, uh, verses 1 to 20. We're going to be looking at that together this morning, so you want to probably have your Bibles open after that. But Max is going to do that for us. He's going to read it uh, 
for us. So uh, Dave's going to click it down and we're going to have a listen to him. And mother. Another time, he began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered was so large that he got into a boat. He sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching he said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and withered because they had no root. Others fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still others fell on good soil. It came up, grew, produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, or even a hundred times. Then Jesus said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him, they asked him about this parable. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? (laughs) How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seeds sown along the path. As soon as they hear the word, Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. Others like seeds on rocky places hear the word and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time when trouble or persecution comes because of the word. They quickly fall away. Still others like seeds on among thorns hear the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in and and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and grow 30, 60, or even a hundred times what was so. Then he said to them, do you bring in a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? We're going to get the next lot. See how he keeps going. It's pretty amazing, isn't he, how he, how he does that. Uh, and he goes through the whole book of Mark and does that. You can actually get him on a number of other books in the Bible too and he just does that for them as well. So he's a Pretty phenomenal how he puts that together. But he tells the story well, doesn't he? And he, uh, in a sense, gives you a sense of what it might have been like there listening to Jesus at the time. And uh, the good news about this story and this parable is that Jesus actually tells us what it means, doesn't he? Uh, He explains it afterwards, which is really helpful because he doesn't do that with all the other parables. So that's a good reason to start at a parable that's a little bit easier in one sense. And Jesus says that, doesn't he? In verse 13, he says to them, Hey guys, if you don't get this one, you're not going to get the rest of them. Uh, In one sense, understanding this parable, this first one, helps us to understand the rest of the parables. I think that also helps us understand why Jesus told 
this parable, particularly at this time. We're going to unpack that a little bit later when we see what, it, what the message means to the original people and what it means to us. Uh, but he takes this one and he explains it to her. And in those verses 10 to 13 there, they're a little bit strange. They sort of come in the middle. But what Jesus is saying is that when he tells stories, when he tells parables... Uh, the, the guys are listening to them, the disciples, they've actually got the keys to the kingdom. They know what's going on, or they should, uh, but those who are outside, they may not get it. And in one sense, uh, parables are to sort out those that will respond and those that won't respond. In one sense, parables are written and he tells them so that people may come to understand who are going to come to understand, but some people just won't. For some it's grace, for others it's judgment. And that's why he quotes Isaiah 6 there. Uh, that's the, what he uses in the middle. He says, uh, some may be seeing but never perceiving. That's from Isaiah 6. And it's like Isaiah says, he says, he tells stories and he was bringing God's message. Some are going to respond and it's going to be grace to them. Others it's not. And in a sense, the stories separate them and show people like that. And this one does that specifically, doesn't it? Because it talks about how people are going to respond to these stories. How are they going to respond to Jesus? So let's have a look at the main players. Who are the main players in this parable, this story? Well, Jesus tells us, first of all, we've got the sower or the farmer uh, out there casting out. And, and the sower, in one sense, is God. And he's putting God's word out there. But in another sense, he is anybody who is telling anyone about Jesus. And I think for, to start with here, he's talking about the disciples. You guys are going to go out and tell people about Jesus. You're going to go out and spread the word about Jesus. That's what you're going to do. And so for us, it's people who are talking about Jesus. Maybe it's me at the front. Maybe it's you as you're down the street talking to your friend about Jesus. Maybe it's uh, teaching scripture. Maybe it's teaching at mums and buzz. Maybe it's wherever it may be, it is someone who is telling someone else about Jesus. That's the farmer. That's the one sowing. And the seed, as we just said, is the gospel. That's what he says. It's the word. It's Jesus. It's the message of Jesus. That's what the word is. Uh, if you go back to John 1, 1, Jesus, uh, when John records it, he says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. And the word is Jesus. That's what we're sowing. That is the message. That is the good news. It's about Jesus. If you go back to the beginning of Mark, chapter 1, verse 1, he says, this is the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's what the word is. It's the message of Jesus. It's to take it out there. And this message is to be sown, but not only is it to be sown, but it's to be harvested, isn't it? The actual climax of the story is the very last bit. It's the harvesting. It'll produce, the seed will produce fruit 30, 60, 100 times. So it's not just spreading the word, is it? The seed, it's actually the harvesting of the word, that the word will bring about a harvest of people who come to know Jesus and love Jesus, of people who become more and more like Jesus, is what the harvest is. So we've got the sower, uh, that's everyone who's talking about Jesus. The seed, it's about Jesus. It's the story of the message of Jesus uh, to be told but also to grow and bear fruit and to be harvested. And the soil are all those who hear Jesus. That's us or anyone else in the world. 
that's who the soil is. The people who hear about Jesus. The people who are receiving the word, the good news. And then we've got Satan who comes in. And I didn't want to put a picture of Satan up there because we don't know what he looks like. And if I put any picture up there, I'll just stereotype him in any other way. Uh, but it's Satan who's anything that Satan does to take away the seed or to make it difficult for it to grow or to choke it as well. So even though Satan's only mentioned in the very first soil, I think he's involved in the other two soils as well. He's wanting to stop it growing and he's wanting to hinder the word growing. So there are four, uh, four main people, nice S's, aren't they? Sower, uh, seed, soil and Satan. You notice that Jesus uses great things, doesn't he? That? He uses uh, words that we can remember because stories are supposed to be told and remembered. So what's the main message? Uh, what's the main message of this story? What, what is he getting about and what is he saying this for? Well, he goes and explains it all down there to a bit, doesn't he, from verses 13 onwards. Uh, and he says this is what's going to be like and this is what's going to happen. But I think the message that it has has to be specifically to those that are listening to start with. And so the message has to have a direct implication to the disciples first. I think it is to the disciples, it's saying to them, hey guys, you're going to go out and tell people about Jesus and you're going to get a whole lot of different responses from people. So be ready for it. You're going to say, you're going to go out and you're going to talk about me and you're going to spread it around, but different people are going to respond in different ways. So get ready for that. Don't be surprised by that. He's saying to you and me, don't be surprised by that either. Not everyone's going to take it. It's a bit like, I don't know whether you've ever been in a situation where you've come home, you've had this amazing experience with something that's happened during the day and you're walking home and you come inside and there's the family there and you come in and you tell them this great news that's just happened in your life and then the first person that you see, there's one person from your family, they're standing at the sink and they go, stick the earphones in, and walk off to the bedroom, listening to their iPod. Have nothing, they don't want to listen, they don't want to hear. Then there's another person in the family who comes up and says, hey, Dad, that's fantastic news. See you later, I've got to go and do something down the road with my friends. Or you get another one of your family who comes up and says, Dad, that's really interesting, and they ask you a couple of questions, and say, oh, look, I'd love to hear more, but I really want to know who's going to win formal wars. I really want to know who's going to win Big Brother. You know, and I've taped them and, and I've got them on there and I need to go and watch them now. So thanks heaps for the story, but I need to go and watch these now. And then there's another member of the family who'll come up and I'll say, come and have a cuppa and sit down and listen. And you talk and you share and they say, can I come with you the next time that you do that? Have you ever had that experience one way, shape or form? Happens in my family all the time at different stages. I'm not going to incriminate anyone particularly. Uh, but that's it, isn't it? We get that, don't we? We get those different responses. We get people say, oh, I don't care less. I don't want to know anything about it. We get people who are interested to start with, but then they take off. The other people ask you a couple of questions, but ah, they really don't care about you. They just want to know what they're doing. But then you get some people who really want to know what's going on. They sit and they listen. They get excited for you and they take it on. And I think that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying to his disciples, that's what it's going to be like, guys. That's the experience that you're going to have. So don't be surprised by it. That's what he's saying to you and I this morning. Don't be surprised that when you go out and tell Jesus, not everyone's going to go, thanks, heaps for that. 
you're going to get four different responses. You might even get a whole lot of other different responses. But be ready for that. And you see, this is a start. This is Mark chapter 4, isn't it? Now, these guys are going to go out from here. They're going to go and spend the rest of their lives telling people about Jesus. But these are different responses you're going to get. But don't get put off, does he? Because what happens in the fourth response is a harvest 30, 60, 100 times. This is, could be big. Don't give up on it, guys, because this could have an impact on the world in a phenomenal way. Don't think just because you've told one person it doesn't seem to have worked, don't give up on that. Because you never know what God's going to do with that. I heard a story about uh, a preacher in America in about the 1930s, I think he was, uh, and he was having an amazing impact on different places. He was going around and speaking and he was uh, getting big crowds. And then at the end of one of those, uh, he had this real sense that he needed to go to this tin pot town about 50 k's the other direction to where he was going. And, he, and all the people said, no, look, there's more people over here. You need to go here. He says, no, no, I think I have to go here. So he went to this little tin pot town. I think there was about 50 people at the meeting. He got up and he spoke and he talked about Jesus. And in that, there was one young man who became a Christian that night and his name was Billy Graham, who went on to become probably the biggest evangelist ever. So it's not always about the big, is it? Something so small, just one person can change the world. And what happened with Jesus? Jesus started off with just 12 blokes. And it's now Jesus is the most followed person in the world. If he had a Twitter account, he'd blow everyone else away. He's the most followed person that has ever been in history and started from just 12 people. See, the harvest will happen. So don't give up, he's saying to them. The responses may be different, but don't give up. And I think the second challenge that he's having in this uh, to his disciples, but he's also having to you and me is what soil are you? You see, I actually think maybe the title that we give to this parable, uh, the parable of the sower, I don't actually think that's the main message of this parable. We don't hear much about the sower, do we? We hear about the seed and we hear about the soil. Maybe it should really be called the story of the seed and soil. So what about the soils? He says, there's a message in there, which soil are you? To the disciples, which soil are you? To you and I here this morning, which soil are we? Now, I take it that if you're here this morning and probably the disciples that are there with him who are his closest few, that none of them were probably the first soil. They probably weren't the rocky path where Satan's come in and taken it. They're the people who just don't want to know, don't want to have anything to do with it, and away they go. They're not them. We're probably not that first soil. But what about the second, third and fourth soil? Are we them? What about the second soil? And the second soil is someone who hears the message of Jesus, gets really excited about it, but then peters away afterwards. I reckon just about every one of us would know people like that, wouldn't we? They've been really excited, they've grabbed it, they've taken it on and you think, wow, and then you get to speak to them a very short period of time later and it's all gone. All gone. I think what this soil is saying to us is one to challenge us, are we like that? But secondly, to say this, that we can't judge someone's commitment to Jesus by their excitement factor. 
You can't judge whether someone's going to go on in the faith by the fact of their initial response. Initial responses don't really, aren't really a true indication of whether they're going to go on to follow Jesus, are they? Because it's not just about excitement, it's about growing and fruitfulness as we get to soil four. So not that we don't want to diminish that, but we need to realise that just because someone's really excited about something doesn't mean that they've really grasped it. Well, what about soil three? They start well, seems like things are growing really well, but then life wears on, circumstances change, business change, hobbies change, circle of friends change, different things come in and crowd in and it gets choked. And then nothing. I reckon we could all put faces to that too, couldn't we? And we may even be putting faces to ourselves at the moment. We've heard the message of Jesus, we've taken it on, but then over time it's just become a bit dull or I've got caught up with other things or things have really taken my thing. You know, I, I really need to do spending more time at work. I need to really build the business. I, you know, I really need to spend more time in sport or I really need to spend more time out surfing or I really need to spend more time whatever. And over time, well... You just get less, more and more choked and it becomes less and less exciting to be about and you get less and less, oh, you don't see it anymore and eventually the weeds and everything crowds in and it dies. That's a challenge for us, isn't it? Do we need to do a bit of weeding in our lives? What are the things that are growing up and strangling us? And can I tell you that Satan is not dumb. Satan will put good things in your life to choke you. You see, what they're saying here is not so much the really bad stuff, though Jesus talks about that. It's not so much that you're going to get caught uh, in a sexual adultery or you're going to get caught gambling or you're going to get caught murdering someone or, or something like that. What he's saying here is that stuff grows up and slowly strangles you and destroys you. Stuff that takes you away from the word. Now I'm not going to tell you what that is for you because I don't know. But there's stuff in my life that I know that comes in and gets me and just wants to strangle me a little bit and my love and my desire to want to follow Jesus just gets less because I get taken focused over here rather than on him. And sometimes they can be really good things, even about my family or something that I love doing, like sport or something that's good, like my business or my farm or my career or my study or my... Get out there, can't you? Now, all those things can be good, guys, don't get me wrong. But we've got to be careful that they don't strangle us and destroy us and drag us away from the word. Well, they're the three soils. Uh, You're probably not the first. I don't know whether you're the second. I reckon the third has been some of us at different times. I know I've been in the third soil at different times in my life. But the really good news is the fourth soil, isn't it? Because the fourth soil is where it's at. 
The fourth soil is where we want to be. The fourth soil is where we grow and we're sustained and we're building up and we're becoming 30, 60, 100 fold in our lives and our impact for this world, for Jesus. And Jesus is saying, this is the type of soil that I want. This is what I desire the most. This is the, desire, this is the soil I want you disciples to be. This is the soil that I want you people here to be. Good soil, well fertilised, tilled, ready, prepared, uh, nutrients there ready to go and it go bang for Jesus and grow and be sustained and last and continue 30, 60, 100 times. That's the type of soil that he wants his disciples to be. That's the type of soil that he wants you and I to be. The fourth one. And I reckon that's probably what the main message of the, two, of the parable is, isn't it, at that point in time? I think for the guys there specifically, the, Jesus is saying, this is the first one, guys, because you're going to get these responses. Get ready for it. This is the first one because, guys, the soil is what I want you to be is the fourth. Where I want you people to get to, I want you to be telling people about Jesus so that that fourth soil happens, so that this impacts the world. What's going to start with you here is going to be something that is going to grow and hit Eternity is going to take on and people everywhere from here on are going to come to know Jesus. This is transforming stuff, guys. This is what I want you to know. This is what Jesus wants us to know, doesn't he? He wants us to know that there are going to be different responses when we talk to people about Jesus. He wants us to know that there are going to be different soils that are out there. But he wants us to be the number fourth soil. Really turned on for him excited for him and I reckon there's three other applications I think we can take out of this world there may be even more because stories that Jesus tells they just get bigger don't they the more you dig into them Uh, well I reckon there's three others I want to share with you this morning and I reckon the first one for us is that let's spread the word Uh, let's take it and throw it I think we can click down that's the one Dave thanks Uh, notice that the sower he throws it out there doesn't he he spreads it out there. He's not picky like I was in my first story, deciding I'm going to plant it in the, the good soil. Uh, God doesn't say, hold on, uh, Gary, you look like good soil. I'll tell you about it. Oh, no, 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 you're cut. you've got weeds growing on you. Look at that. He, no, don't tell him. Oh, I'm looking out the back there. You're rocky. Doesn't do that, does he? The sower spreads the seed everywhere. He throws it out all around the place. He says it's not our job to work out which, where the seed should land. Where our job is to spread the seed. God knows which one of those is going to sprout. That's not our job. Our job is to spread it. To take the good news of Jesus and spread it far and wide. And then trust God for the growth. He knows where it's going to go. He knows where it's going to land. He knows whether it's going to go forward or not. Trust him in that. So can I encourage you to spread the word? Don't get put off when someone tells you to nick off. Don't get put off if someone gets really excited and then doesn't have much to it. Don't get put off because someone who you've spoken to and they've got it and after a number of years they've dropped away. Because you don't know who you're going to tell the, the, the gospel to. You don't know what the seed's going to do, do you? You may end up telling it to the person who's going to be the next Billy Graham. You may be telling it to the next person who just tells it to some, one other person. But spread it wide, guys. Take the good news of Jesus and spread it wide. Uh, the second one I think we need to be thinking about is that we need to be looking at preparing our own hearts for good soil. You see, good soil is the key to f- faithfulness, isn't it? To growth. 
And sometimes I think, well, well you can just, that'll just happen. Uh, but you ask a cane farmer, does cane just grow if you do nothing with it? No. Paul? Gordon? You've got to work the soil, don't you? You've got to spend time on the soil. Even if you get rained on and flooded out and it doesn't grow, that's not your fault. But you've got to spend time in it, don't you? You've got to get in there and spread it and prepare it and get it ready. And so in one sense, we need to prepare our hearts, our lives for, to receive the word. So when we hear the word, to be ready for it, to be open for it, so that we do grow and become faithful and fruitful. How are we going at that? When we come on Sunday morning and we gather together, do we think, oh man, this is just a trudge. This is just too hard to get the whole family here. And man, I'm not sure whether I really want to, want to be here anyway. There's so many other things I do. Well, you get up in the morning and say Sunday, hey, I'm going to hear God's word this morning. How exciting is that? God's going to speak to me through his word this morning. I want to be ready for that. How about I pray in the morning before I get up and say, Lord, I'm looking forward to what you're going to teach me here this morning. That would change your attitude, wouldn't it? Even if the kids are really peeved off and, and driving you crazy. Even if you may have had a really bad drive in. You're looking forward to God's word. It's his transforming word. Prepare it. Do you think about that the night before on Saturday night? Do you think, well, it's going to be great tomorrow. I'm going to hear about God's word. So I'm actually going to go to bed before the late night movie finishes so that when I turn up on Sunday morning, I'm actually going to be awake. I'm going to be ready to hear God's word. That would be a change, wouldn't it? How good would that be? Or Tuesday, growth group during the week, you think, okay, Tuesday, I'm going to hear God's word on Tuesday because I'm going to get into the Bible again with some other people. I'm going to make sure nothing gets in the way of that. I'm going to make sure that's my priority. I'm going to get there. I'm going to be prepared for it. I'm actually even going to pray beforehand that that's going to happen. I'm going to pray for the person who's leading the study. I'm going to pray that they can really help me understand God's word because I really want to know about that. I'm going to pray for the bloke on Sunday morning. Please pray for me on Sunday morning. Pray for me that the bloke on Sunday morning actually gets us into the Word and says, look, this is what Jesus is saying to us. This is what God wants to say to us, guys. Let's prepare our hearts for it. Prepare the soil. Don't just turn up and think, oh, well, stuff, I think something might happen today. God doesn't say that, does he? He says, have good soil, well prepared, fertilised, ready, excited to get his Word, to change us, to transform us. We need to prepare our own hearts, don't we? Good soil, well nurtured, great nutrients, well ploughed, well watered. Get rid of those thorns and those choking stuff that wants to drag us out of that. Put that aside and say, God, teach me today. And thirdly, I think, be assured that God's going to bring a harvest, guys. It's not in vain. It's not in vain. Sometimes I think, man, I'm bagging my head against the brick wall. We've been here for 17 years almost now. And man, why isn't everyone in Evans Head, Woodburn, Broadwater and Korakai and Wardell converted yet? How come we aren't busting at the seams? How come we haven't got millions of people here? What's going on, Lord? Please, come on. Well, there's the four soils, he says to me. People are going to respond here, here and here, but there will be a harvest and there has been a harvest. And he says to me as I was thinking about this during the week, he says, don't forget the people that have left here too and the harvests that they're causing. 
Think of Les and Tara. Think of Al and Rhonda. Think of uh, Janine and Alice. Think of Dave, Pim. Think of the guys, our young guys, Alex, uh, Nathan, who have headed out. These guys are actually having impact in the world. It's not just about our own little place here either. It's bigger than that. God's got a harvest, hasn't he? He says, the harvest is ready, but the workers are few. The harvest is there. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. We don't know who. We don't know when. But it's guaranteed, guys. Be assured of that. So don't stop spreading the seed. Be assured of it. You might feel like banging out against a brick wall sometimes. But be assured God's got it worked out. And trust him for it. And pray for that harvest to happen here amongst the people that we know. Stories, they catch the imagination, don't they? Uh, They catch our attention, they catch our interest, they speak to us on all sorts of levels and that's why Jesus speaks them, doesn't he? And Jesus knows not only do they catch our imagination, our attention and our interest, but stories are transforming. They change lives. And when those stories about Jesus, they change our lives now and for eternity. I pray this morning that your good soil, that you will grow to bring about a harvest of 30, 60, 100 times. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we just take a moment to allow that to settle, as we take a moment to allow you to take your word and drive it into our hearts, Lord. We ask, Lord, that we will be good soil for you. We pray, Lord, that by your spirit working with us, by our uh, working on ourselves as well, Lord, in in, uh, partnership with you, that we will be people that your seed grows in and brings about a harvest, Lord. Pray, Lord, for forgiveness if we've let things come in and choke us, Lord. We pray for forgiveness if we've dropped off from you. We pray for forgiveness, Lord, for not working hard, at being good soil for you, Lord. But Lord, we thank you that by your transforming spirit you can change us and you can move us, Lord, to be the good soil that you desire us to be. Lord, do a mighty work in our hearts and in our lives this morning, Lord, and for the rest of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.